Feb 23rd, 2006, episode 19. The Rookie Designer, with your host, Adam Hay. Let's take a look at the starting lineup. Well, I'm sure everyone out there pretty much knows what they're worth in terms of design work. You probably already know what your work ethic is like, the quality of your work, how much time you spend doing it, and how much of your heart actually goes into each of your designs. But can you actually translate that amount that you're worth into dollars and cents? Today we're going to look at different ways that we can calculate how much you should make on a freelance project, how to set your pricing. Just a couple of news items today and all related to the podcast. I just wanted to mention again with the last episode I put out, I mentioned that there is a tutorial video. It's just a few tips for Photoshop. And you can download that video by going to the forums. And when you register and log in, there is a members only folder that you can go into and find the link for that. If you have downloaded it, I hope it was helpful. If you have not yet, uh, please go to the forums and check it out. So I was cruising around on the forums today and found something pretty interesting. It was a post by one of our newest members, Kathy. And she kind of went into a scenario where she was dealing with a client and did things a little bit the wrong way and ended up with a bad result. And she was sharing this with one of the other forum members. And I thought this was a pretty good idea in that I always share, try to share a rookie mistake on each of the podcasts, something that I've done wrong in the past or something that I've learned from other people doing wrong in the past. And I thought well, hell, this is a great idea. We should put up a little category on the forums where each person can go up and kind of tell something that maybe they've made a mistake of and learn from it. And that way other people can learn from it and not make the mistake. So this isn't really, you know, this isn't about people being embarrassed or, or looking stupid for things they've done wrong because everybody makes mistakes. But it's really just a way that, that you can share something with the other people and hopefully they won't make the same mistake as you did because that is the whole point of the rookie mistake tip on the podcast. So uh, feel free to go up on the forums. That, that category is now up there and just share some stories with some people and, and try and teach them stuff. So today we're talking about how much to charge clients when you're doing freelance projects or side work or anything of that nature. There's not really one end-all be-all good way to figure out your hourly rate or how much to charge there's really several factors that will help determine what price is good for each designer because there's different scenarios that go along with that. And it's really a very arbitrary process because there's several things that can factor in when determining how much to charge. And we're actually going to go through a specific process of figuring out an hourly rate and you'll see what these different things are that factor into it. Now, if you want to try and get around the whole process of figuring things out and maybe just get an idea of what you should charge, there are a couple of things that you could do. First of which is just networking with other designers and getting to a point where you feel comfortable enough to ask them what they charge for different projects. Now, again, this is kind of sketchy because 
they they're going to have a different work ethic. They they might have a different quality of work. They might have different equipment than you do. So this is something that's that's not always going to be right on. And this is why I say this is what you use to maybe j- just get a basic idea of what you should charge. Not actually say, oh, he charges this, so I'm going to charge that too. You definitely don't want to do that. But it is a good way to to just get a basis of of what people are charging. Another way, if you don't feel comfortable actually asking somebody, is you can go to other designers' websites and actually get a quote from them, maybe make up a project. Uh, like if you're going to do a, a trifold brochure, maybe say, I need a trifold brochure and see how much they're going to charge for that. Now, again, this may give you a, a broad idea of, of what pricing is like, but it's not going to tell you what your pricing should be. All designers have different situations and and ways of working and expenses. And that's going to be a big one, as we'll see a little bit later. The bottom line is here, what is it going to take for you to to pay for your overhead costs, which are all the costs associated with maybe credit card bills, computer payments, your rent, your utilities, that kind of stuff, and then still make a profit on top of that? So how much are you going to have to make to cover all your bills and then still make some money out of it after that whole process? So what we're going to do is go through just a kind of a basic way to calculate what your hourly rate should be. The first step you're going to want to take is to just jot down a list of everything that's going to be costing you money with your business or with your your side projects or whatever you want to say. If you're doing side projects, it's pretty much a business for you. And this is going to include everything that you use in that process. So what we're doing here is making an expense list. And you want to include things such as hardware. It would be, of course, your computer, any maybe external hard drives, if you're using a printer or a scanner, any of those things. Software, all the programs that you're using, any office supplies. Uh, Two of the big ones are rent and utilities. And if you're actually just using a section of your house. If you're using a room that's in your house or your apartment, or even if you're just, you have your desk shoved in a corner of that. Basically what you do is you, you calculate how much of that room or how much of the whole square footage of the house that you're using. And then you take that percentage of the rent because you actually are using part of your apartment. So you can charge rent for that. Same goes for utilities. Just, you know, roughly figure out how much how much of the energy bill is going to your computer and all the things you're using to get this job done. Another thing to add would be any kind of professional services. If you if you are consulted by any lawyers or if you use like an accountant or a CPA, you want to add that in. Any marketing costs in, for advertising, uh, any books or continuing education. If you do something like lynda.com where you're paying 25 bucks a month, that also goes into your costs. Any travel or mileage. And another good one is uh, either your whole cell phone bill, if that's all you use it for is business or a percentage of that, whichever percent you use for business. And I wanted to mention a commercial that I've, I've recently been seeing on TV. It's for H&R Block and it's for the whole, you know, because it's tax time thing. And they have these commercials on there that are pretty cool. They kind of go into that same thing and they show like one of them shows a guy that's in a band, right? And they're talking about deductions people 
don't usually account for because, you know, maybe they don't, maybe they don't think it's, it's a worthy deduction to put on their taxes. But if this guy is actually trying to make a living being in this band, well, then it points to all the equipment and, you know, just the other things that they've paid for to build up this band. Well, in the same way, this is, this is actually a business. If you're making money doing this and you're going to, you know, claim and actually have to pay taxes on it, which hopefully you do if you make enough money, um, then these are all things, these are all legitimate things that can be deductions on your taxes. And as well as that, you you need to add them to your expenses because you're actually paying for them, even if they're already paid off. Even if you had a computer that was paid off before you started doing freelance work, you can you can put this in there because it's something that you paid for and now you're using it for this job. So you, you need to add it into that. So for our second step, we're going to talk about profit. How much profit do you want to make? And this might seem like a loaded question, and it kind of is. How much do I want to make? Well, I want to make a lot of money. But you got to be careful here because if if you're not reasonable about it, your prices are going to be too high and people aren't going to hire you. So a good place to start is about 10 to 20% of your overhead. Just add up all the costs of all those things and just take about 10 or 20% of that. And that's... That's really a good a good starting point, and you can go for the, from there. Once you go through this whole calculation, you'll kind of find out where you are, and you can go back and tweak things a little bit later. So basically, if our costs, if our overhead costs are about two thousand dollars a month, then we would take ten percent of that on the low end, and that would give you two hundred bucks, two hundred bucks profit. Which you're saying, well, maybe that that doesn't sound like a whole lot of money to make after one month, but when you have your your regular job, your full-time job, whatever it is, after you pay every single bill that you have, how much of that check do you have left over? It's not a whole lot compared to what you initially had. So you got to think of it in terms of that. It might not seem like that much, but once you have all your bills paid, now you have free money. You know, any free money is good money. So just try and be reasonable with how much you're charging for to, to make your profit. Now, the next thing we're going to do is take that monthly total, which is our overhead plus our profit, which was $2,200, and you just divide that by four to get your weekly total, which is $550 now. So $550 a week is what you need to be able to pay your bills and make what you want to make in profit. Now divide that by five, and that gives you the daily total, which is 110. And now we just boil it down to the hours. But before you do that, you need to figure out how many hours you're actually going to work each each day. And you know, you might say 8 hours a day if you're going if you're doing this full time, you don't have a regular job, maybe 4 or 5 hours a day if if it's like a side project. But you you really have to think about this in terms of the hours that you actually spend designing pieces. That doesn't include sitting at the accountant's office waiting for him to do your paperwork. It doesn't include driving to pick up proofs or going to meet somebody. You're talking strictly designing pieces or actually having conferences with people because that's something you, you need to charge for. So the actual hours that you're working each day. So for this example, I just said about four hours a day, which is what I usually allot myself after my full-time job. Don't always get the four hours a day, but that's what I try to stick to. So you're going to divide your daily total by the number of hours, which is four. And now our hour, hourly rate is 
27.5. So roughly $30 an hour is what we would be charging if our expenses were $2,000. We wanted to make $200 of profit per month. When it boils down to the hourly rate, it's about $30 an hour. Now, again, you can play with these numbers to fit your scenario. Maybe you want to make a little more profit than $200 a month. Maybe you work less days in the month. Maybe you work less hours per day. So these are things that you just kind of change in that equation. And it comes out to a, you know, a pretty good number. And again, these things can fluctuate different ways. The next thing I want to talk about actually is once you figured out this uh, hourly rate, there's a couple of different choices you have for how you charge people. And in most cases, the client isn't going to just turn you loose on a project you're not going to say, okay, I work for $30 an hour. And they're not just going to go, okay, well, I need a website. So however long it takes you at $30 an hour, just go ahead and do it and let me know, you know how much it is at the end. This, this isn't going to happen. You're going to have to come up with some kind of estimate to give the people. And that estimate is probably going to be based on, first of all, how long you think it's going to take you. And then second of all, your hourly rate. You're going to get the number of hours and just times it by your hourly rate. And that will be your estimate. So in my opinion, I think the best way to go about this, since you're already making that estimate, is maybe to use that estimate as the final cost of the project. That way, and, and this is something you need to get the client to sign off of. So you have your, your estimate or your quote, and it's basically going to be a contract saying, this is, this is how long I think it's going to take for each of these things, and this is what it's going to cost you, no more, no less. They sign off on that. And now you kind of have less restrictions on you as far as if you if your estimate is on the low end, yes, you're going to lose a little bit of money. And this is where it comes to the point where you need to be good at estimating how long it's going to take you to do things. Because if you are on that low end, you're losing money. But if you're on the high end, then you're actually going to make extra money that wouldn't have been there if you just went straight flat fee hourly rate. And this is also good because it encourages you to work faster. And this is also good because it'll really encourage you to work faster. Let's say you made a quote on a project that it was going to take you about 15 hours. Well, if it actually takes you 10 hours, if you were charging just an hourly rate, you would have been losing that extra five hours. But since they signed off on the full 15 hours, if it only takes you 10, then basically you have five free hours from that. And once you start doing this quite a bit, you'll find that you really figure out how long it takes you to do certain projects. If you're doing a website or a brochure or whatever it is, if you do enough of them, you're going to pretty much get it down to a process. We've talked, been talking about processes. You'll get it down to a process to, to where you know exactly how much time it's going to take you. And this way you'll be able to quote pretty accurately. Another benefit to doing things this way is it really kind of hides certain things to the client. Whereas if you're doing things hourly, kind of like in the case where we had the extra free time when we did things faster than we normally would have, sometimes you might actually adjust your quotes as to who the customer is. Now, of course, if you're doing things for somebody that you know, you're probably going to give them a discounted rate. But in the same way, if you're working for a smaller business as opposed to a large business, they might have two different quotes. If you know there's a company that can pay a lot of money for something, then you might be more apt to charge them more. 
And same goes for a smaller business. You might charge, you might give them a little bit of a break because you know they don't have the money to be spending on these things. So this way, it it really doesn't make you look like an ass because they can't figure out exactly what goes into that quote. Whereas if you were just charging strictly by the hour, they would know because, you know, they would take the hours and they would multiply it by your rate and they would know how you came to that number. So this is kind of a good way too, because there are different factors. You might even be charging a different hourly rate if you're doing, say, 3D animation as opposed to laying out a simple flyer. There's different things that factor into that, different degrees of difficulty. So you might want to change the the way you quote those two different projects. So again, in my opinion, I think the the way to go is just to quote each project. You can base that on your hourly rate, but don't I, you don't necessarily have to let the customer know what your hourly rate is. Just just give them a a final price for how much it's going to cost them to to do the whole project, and that's going to be totally fine with them. Now, the last thing we need to talk about when charging customers is. How do we charge for updates or revisions or mistakes? Well, for updates, things like a website. If you make a website for somebody and they want you to do the upkeep on it, like maybe add more content to it or maybe update the graphics here and again, this is something that I think you can probably do just on an hourly rate basis because you never know how long these things are going to take you. Most times they're not going to take you all that long. But it's just a it's just a better way because you can't really say, oh, well, I'm going to update this and this. So that's going to take me this long. So here's your quote. It's just harder to do that. So when you're going back and, and doing maintenance, things like that, you're probably just going to want to use your hourly rate. Now, revisions and revisions bring up a whole nother issue. Let me just preface this by by stating again, we've talked about this before, but you really need to have a client sign off at as many different points in the design process as possible. And this just ensures that they know which direction you're going in with the design and then and that they approve where you're going with it. So anytime you make significant changes or something that you think is big enough for them to, to need to take a look at, make sure you take one to them have some kind of little piece of paper or have them actually sign the proof, sign it and date it that they approve that you can move forward with that design. Okay, so if you've done this, then when you get to the end of the design, if they want new revisions, they want things changed, and we're not talking about just little cosmetic things because when you get to the final version, there are going to be things that they might want you to tweak here and there. But if they start taking sections of the whole project and saying, no, I don't like this. We, we need to revise this whole thing. This is when you can pull out those proofs that they signed off on and say, okay, well, everything up to this point has been signed. And you said we were going in the, in the right direction and this is where we ended up. And now you want me to change something. So that's not really like a revision. It's like actually redesigning something. And at this point I would charge extra, charge your hourly rate, and just, you have to explain to them, we were going in a direction, we we met the goals with that direction, and now you want to change things. Uh, you will run into people that don't want to pay for this type of thing. Some people don't mind. Some people just want to get it right. It doesn't matter how much you have to charge them extra. 
But just be leery of that and always get signatures from the client because this is just going to be your backup when you go to them and say, well, this is what you wanted me to do. I did it. And now you want to change it. If you don't have those signatures, you can't say that. You're, you're pretty much screwed. You just have to do whatever they want. And the final one is mistakes. Mistakes you should never, ever charge for. Just learn your lesson from it and don't ever do it again. Now, even if this this could be possibly the client's fault, you know, something in the in the text was wrong, it's your job to find these things. So really it is your fault anyways. You're supposed to be the last line of defense before these things go out. So if you don't find the mistake, it kind of is your fault. Again, just just take it with a grain of salt and uh, move on. Now that's what I call a rookie mistake. Our tip today, I think, is extremely relevant for this podcast because one thing that young designers typically do when they start doing freelance jobs is they try and undercut either the competition or themselves. And this really isn't the way to get things done. First of all, it really ends up in you getting bad jobs or bad clients because people who People who seek out the lowest price for a project, first of all, really aren't interested in getting a good design, but they're just cheap, you know, and they're going to get every single penny out of you in terms of work as they can. And this is a bad thing for you. A lot of times they're going to be bad design projects. They're not going to be something you want to put in your portfolio because again, they're just looking for the cheapest thing they can get. They're not concerned with how great it looks. They just want to get something done very cheaply and very quickly. And basically for you, this, this is just a big waste of time. It's not a, a project that's going to challenge you. You're going to have some client breathing down your neck the whole time. And it's just a bad situation. So I pose this question to you, and it's just my way of putting it into perspective. And that is, are you comfortable working for the same wage as somebody that works at a burger joint makes? You know, because some of these people, that's what they want to pay you. And a lot of times you're going to find jobs in the newspaper too for production artwork. They're going to want to pay you like $10 an hour. You know, I could go to In-N-Out Burger and make $10 an hour. So you really should be above this. And the same goes for your freelance work. You really shouldn't be selling yourself short. You know that you have certain talents, certain talent level. You should know what that's worth. And you, you really shouldn't lower yourself just to get jobs because these jobs are going to be more difficult. Things are getting a bit out of hand. Looks like it's time to go to the bullpen. Our website today really has nothing to do with what I've been talking about, but it's my favorite new website that I've found. And it's actually made by one of the guys that does tutorials on lended.com. And this is kind of how I found it. The website is gotoandlearn.com. And this will make a little bit of sense to you if you do any flash action scripting. And this is a basically a tutorial site about Flash. And it's all video tutorials. And he set it up. He actually even made a whole interface, like video player for it. And if you want the files to this, you can download them as well. So you can kind of look through his code and see how he put things together. I thought that was pretty cool. But just uh, a bunch of videos of how to do different special effects using using action script and flash. So definitely a, a good use of your time to go check out some of those. 
To all the new listeners out there, and I have noticed that we have been picking up some the last few weeks, and just as a reminder to everyone else, all the sites that are talked about in the podcast, as well as the bullpen site, are always in the show notes, which is on the website at rickydesigner.com. And from there, you can, of course, go to the forums as well, which I encourage that you do because been having some great conversations up there. It's a good way to network with other designers and just get other people's opinions about certain things that you might want to talk about. Uh, we do have, we've actually had a bit of a boom on the Frapper map. So I thank the people that have put their pins in. If you haven't done that yet, just go to rookiedesigner.com and you can click on the link to put your own pin in the Frapper map so everybody can see where you're coming from. I thank everybody for listening and subscribing, and we'll talk to you next time. That one's high. It's got the distance. It's out of here. Shall be the monster domain.